When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. because therapy is my absolute favorite thing in the world. I love it. I need it. I feel like I'm constantly analyzing my life and relationships and how to be a better partner, how to be a better human, how to be a better parent, how to just be a better contributor to the world, understanding this world. I mean, it is a hard thing to be a human being and be in life and in relationships with people. And so I have Dr. Jen man on with me. You are incredible. You have such a long resume. I'm going to just try to say some of it. I watched you on VH1, the couples therapy. I mean, that show was so fascinating. I feel like that was like one of the only shows that has showed therapy sessions with celebrities. And it's giving you this inside vulnerable look up to these high profile relationships. And you're in there and you're just laying it down and making this groundwork to see if the relationship can stay healthy, to see if it needs to end, but to give people tools. And I feel like that is something that's so great about the generation and the time we're in right now is therapy is not something that people are like, oh, you only go to therapy if you're like a disaster or messed up or whatever. We've all realized that we're all a disaster and we're all messed up. And so... It's, if you're not going to therapy, then it's like, oh, you should go to therapy because we all need to go to therapy. I'm going to therapy. <laughs> exactly. It's flipped, which I love. So I want to talk to you just about how you have, you've written best-selling books about the fix, which is like fixing a relationship that is on the brink of divorce. And it's like, do you need to go ahead to to do this divorce? Can it be saved? Like you are incredible in that way. You've written children's book. I mean, Rockin' Babies, which is an amazing book for like your child to read. And then I love the A to Z guide to raising happy and confident kids, which is incredible. I mean, you have covered relationships from marriage to children to celebrities across the board. You are a gymnast, 
growing up. So you have all sorts of discipline and I'm sure you have a life story with being uh, starting off at a gymnast, gymnast and being like a world champion, basically gold medals, Olympics, all the things. Okay. So there's my long winded, long winded introduction, Dr. Jin. I'm so happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. How did you get on this journey? Because like I said, your resume is so long, it's hard to even digest it. Uh, well, I would say that kind of the, probably the big turning point, I mean, there have been quite a few in, in my life. Um, when I was in college, I did a story, I was studying journalism, print and television journalism, and I did a story about rape on college campuses. And that was in the 80s. And Ms. Magazine had just published a new study about rape on college campuses. And I realized what a huge issue it was. And I was doing this story for my school paper. And it basically, I ended up interviewing four women who had been assaulted, who had been raped by a man, a student on campus, and he would be gaining access to the campus again. And long story short, as I started doing this story, women came out of the woodworks telling me about their experience with sexual assault. And I have a real activist background. My parents are activists. They've written a number of songs that really have been associated with activism in the 60s and 70s. And I felt like I had to do something. And so I ended up volunteering for the Los Angeles Commission on Assaults Against Women as a rape and domestic violence counselor. And as soon as I started doing the training, I realized I had found my, my calling. And I was like, I have to do this. And so I went to grad school. And when I was getting my master's degree, long story short, one of the teachers was uh, going to be on the Channel 2 Action News with Dr. Winnie King. And she needed more people to speak. And I'm someone who's recovered from an eating disorder. And she said, you know, you're very outspoken in class. Would you be willing to talk about your experience? And they need people who have a psychology background. Could you do this? And I said, absolutely. I'd be happy to. And another student in the class did as well. And the teacher ended up doing it with us and they used like 90% of my footage, a little bit of the teacher and none of the other student. And all of a sudden it hit me as a therapist. I was like, I can actually do this and reach millions of people instead of just one person in my office. Wow. And this is before Dr. Phil, this is before TV shrinks were a thing. And so I started going on TV and talking about eating disorders and women's issues and mental health and all that sort of stuff. And then one day I get a call from a, none other than Harvey Levin, who, for those who don't know who that is, he is known for TMZ. And Harvey was doing a, a TV show, a pilot called We Need Professional Health. And Harvey brought me into audition. He said, we want a young 20-something face. And at the time, I was a young 20-something face. And he brought me in and I auditioned. And afterwards, he pulled me aside. And so did his other co-producer, Lisa Gregorish Dempsey. And they said, regardless of what happens with this project, you have to do this. Like you, This is your calling. You have a talent for this. You need to get representation. You need to do this on a big scale. I was like, there's representation for people like me. I had no idea. And so I then started to pursue it. And, you know, here I am many TV shows, radio shows and books later. And I always, I always say that Harvey Levin is my godfather of TV. Which is hilarious because he's TMZ. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you are someone who really found your calling and 
it's, it's interesting. I was talking to my intern, Allie. Hello, Allie. <laughs> Before, Hi, and my, um, my neighbor, who's also incredible, her name's Thalia, we were talking about therapy before this, yeah. and obviously prepared, talking about you. But it's, it's just so interesting that you found your calling and you took action because this is a job that, like, because you can find, because we're sitting here trying to say, like, the state of the world feels so scary right now. It feels so sad. It feels so filled with so much trauma and unjust. And it feels hard to walk in this world sometimes. And the, the way that I'm finally realizing the only thing you can do is keep moving towards the light and finding the light and finding the hope and the good in your life. And then taking action. And like that, that means like finding your calling too. You found your calling but this is not an easy calling and you're putting yourself out there in front of the world, especially in a world that is so hard on public figures, especially public figures with opinions and offering advice and getting involved with people's personal lives and sharing, you know, information and tips and wisdom. I mean, that's, that takes a lot of balls to do that because this world is critical. So to be so fiercely committed to this call that is like is that because of your parents where did that determination that you had to make an impact on such a big level come from because most people don't have it in them like you do to impact on this level thank you it very much came from messages i got from my parents um and i should probably ask before i tell the story are curse words okay? Oh, on your yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, look, my mother is an incredible ball buster. Like, my mom, my parents are songwriters. My mom writes the lyrics and my dad writes the music. And my mom was always the hustle behind the business aspect. And my mom was very much, it doesn't matter if you get, no, you, you may, rejection is part of life and you just got to deal with it and you power forward. And, you know, I read, there's a guy named Randall Wixon who wrote a book on music publishing. I was reading the book recently and he, in the book was talking about this, this person who he knows in the business, that it's very hard to get people to sell your songs, but this one person who's this creative person and she just, like would never take no for an answer and knew how to sell their songs. And I called him up and I was like, Randall, who is this person? We, we need to talk to this person. He's like, that's your mom. That's your mother. And I was like, uh, that's where I got it from. And my mom also had an attitude of just fuck what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people think. And that oh. is something that really gave me. That's the freedom. Courage. Yeah. It gave me the courage to pursue my passion, you know, I, I love to tell the story that season one of my show, VH1 Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen, look, I did therapy. They, I was very blessed that the show was very not produced, that nothing was fake, everything was real. And my executive producer, Damien Sullivan, God bless him, said, you do you. Like, you do therapy. I will never interrupt the therapy. I'm never going to disturb the process. You do therapy the way you do therapy. And season one came out and I say fuck when I do therapy. That is part of who I am. I come from hardcore New Yorkers. I was raised in the music business. That is part of the culture I grew up in. And when the show came out, 
there were a lot of people on Twitter who were like, you're so unprofessional. I can't believe you say fuck. This is terrible. You're a disgrace. I had one person who wrote me who said, we study you in our the clinic where we're learning to be therapists on what not to do as a therapist. Whoa. And I, I, I was like, that's cool. I'm doing me. If my style's not good for this person, okay. Then season two, after the show was a hit, people were writing me say, I love how you say fuck on TV. It's so real. Thank God that you speak the way I speak. And literally there were people that say, we study you in our clinic. We're learning to do therapy and you are such an incredible role model. We're all studying what you do because we want to be like you. And to me, the moral of the story is you got to stand by what you believe in. You got to stand by who you are. And yeah, of course, we always need to strive to be the best us that we can be. I'm always looking to educate myself further, being open to new ideas, new ways of approaching things. But the bottom line is, I went in very confident in what I do and who I am. Therefore, I was able to put on blinders when people said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do it like that. Don't be you. This is too shocking. This isn't traditional. This isn't professional. This isn't what the way it's done. And I just kept doing it the way I do it. And then my people found me. People ended up finding the show and loving the show. And then it became a thing. And, you know, I, I definitely have my mom and my dad to thank for that that they were always like, you just do you, you follow your passion and you do what you know is right and what you believe in and the rest will, will follow. What were your parents activists for? Well, I mean, my parents wrote a lot of the songs that we got to get out of this place, you know, songs that became anthems to um, a lot of their songs were played in Vietnam that were anti-war. They also um, had a lot of songs. There's a song they wrote called Black Butterfly, uh, Brown Eyed Woman, songs that were about race, about relationships, about all that sort of stuff. And, you know, that's something that I grew up with. I grew up with an awareness of differences and also commonalities and the importance of standing up for what's right. I mean, I did my first protest when I was, I think I was 14 in front of the South African consulate. I was in front of the South African consulate protesting against apartheid. Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful because a couple things are coming to mind. I admire you and I have a, um, a positive, I don't know the correct word to say this, a positive envious spirit of you because I wish I was like that. I feel that in my heart and I, I'm striving to become more like that where I'm not scared to take a stand for what is right no matter what. I'm not scared to put myself out there. I'm not scared of the judgments coming my way. But the truth is, and I think a lot of people feel this way, I am scared of what people are going to say. And what if they come at, what if I'm trying to take a stand and they come at me and try to tear me down and then I don't know how to stand back up, you know? And it's like for you to have that kind of confidence and that just that sense of self and that conviction, it is so, I like I said, it's like a positive, positive envy I have because I I'm so inspired by that. And you are the, the kind of people that make huge changes in the world because like you said, and I love your jewelry line that says, fuck what people think. And like you partnered with another, someone who has all these messages and it's like, okay, so if I wasn't naturally inclined to say, fuck what people think, 
I'm going to just do me. How do I get to that mentality? How do I get there? Because like that is how you make differences. That's a great question. And if you didn't grow up in a family that taught you that, if it isn't kind of how you're naturally wired, but that's who you want to be, you get yourself into therapy and that you work on looking at and really doing a deep dive on why do I care so much what other people think? What are the messages that I got about the importance of what other people think? And also, you know, to realize that there's a, a, a therapist named Phil Stutz and, and Barry Michaels, and they wrote a book called The Tools. And they're brilliant guys, and they are kind of two of my role models when it comes to therapy. And they talk about the 30-second rule. Nobody thinks about anybody but themselves for more than 30 seconds. And even if someone doesn't like what you say, typically they go back to thinking like, what am I going to eat for dinner? Did these jeans make my ass look fat? Why did my husband say that thing that he said? Or is that guy going to call me after that second date? Or what did I say wrong? Like people generally go back to thinking about themselves and that we give way too much weight about what other people think. And I, and I do think that there's a caveat in that we are in a bit of a cancel culture. I was going to ask you about cancel culture. Are you scared of it? Look, I think that that makes it scarier to speak up and speak your mind because also you can be misinterpreted. You can say something that you really believe and then find out that, wait, you know what? You weren't educated about this area and now you're getting canceled. And I think that that, I think that that's really challenging. And at the same time, I also think that you got to stand up for what you believe in regardless. And I think that it is wise to constantly be getting more educated, to be culturally sensitive, to be sensitive about issues of race and gender and sexual orientation and all of that sort of stuff so that we can try to avoid making mistakes that can be hurtful to other people. Because really the bottom line is when cancel culture issues come up, typically it's because something has been said that is hurtful to someone else. And sure, there are cases where someone was just a shitty person and they weren't being sensitive. But in cases where someone is like you, where you're someone who you care about what other people think, you don't want to hurt anyone. You're not looking to be a shock jock or try to upset people, but you're looking to find a way to voice your honest opinions. I think that that, that's very different. And I think that sometimes we make mistakes and that's how we learn. And that hopefully those mistakes, if you make them, aren't too hurtful to people. And if they are, well, what an opportunity to learn and to do better. And I guess that's the only thing we can do because then sometimes I feel, because I am a very sensitive, um, empathetic, fragile soul that has been trying to become strong because I definitely know that like it's important to follow my convictions of my heart and to use my voice and platform to speak them. I know that's important and I know that's our destiny as humans and souls to find that within ourselves and then share it. But I struggle sometimes too because there's so much information coming at us all the time that I also am not a fast learner. Like I get overwhelmed with a lot of information. Sometimes I feel like I just completely shut down and then I just don't even know how to move forward. And I'm like, how do I process this? And now like added stuff like the war that's happening with Russia and Ukraine. And it makes you think everything that we even stressed about or worried about, does that even matter when people are sitting there fighting for their lives and their freedom? You know, it's like you just go down this rabbit hole. So how do you 
stay on task with things that are truly like if when it comes down to life and death, it's a luxury to get to go to therapy and work on improving ourselves. Like that is a, a gift that we have when we have time and the freedom to do that. You know, so like here I am at a place in my life in America where I can truly really try to work on bettering myself as a as one of my main goals of life, you know, and a, like a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So it's like, how do we, yeah. how do you live, how do we live in this world where we're trying to better ourselves and be the best version and not hurt anyone's feelings and like, you know, be aware of all this, but then also realize that we have, I, I just like, I, get, I just get overwhelmed. I shut down. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? I do. And, and let me start with the beginning of what you said. First of all, I think that um, the way you think of yourself that you're a slow learner, I think you're giving yourself a label that is not fair. First of all, you're clearly a bright, articulate, sensitive person who your brain moves very quickly and you're very sensitive. To give yourself that label, I think is is detrimental to the way you view yourself. And instead, I I would venture to guess that it's not that you're a slow learner, it's that there is so much information and you are, seem like someone who takes it in on so many levels that it's not just intellectual, that you take it in emotionally and that that can overwhelm you and yes. make you go through it slower because you're processing it on a deeper level and taking it in a way that a lot of other people won't or don't or can't. And I think that, first of all, I would recommend changing the way you think about yourself. I know self-talk is the most important thing. It's it's so important. It's just so important. And instead to be able to say that I'm someone who is really thoughtful when I learn new information. And as a result, sometimes I, it, I, I may need more time to assimilate it, but I really respect my process. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. 
Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's such a good point, Dr. Jen, because I feel a lot of times like I will say, oh, I'm not very smart. I was bad at school. Like I didn't, I I don't understand a lot of things happening in the world on the level that other people do. Like I'll turn on the news and my mind will just explode. And I'm like, but other people are just like so in it on the conversations and they know everything and they're so quick. And I'm like, my brain isn't even there. And I'm like, am I just a total idiot? (laughs) But then I have this deep soul connection with people and I feel their stories and but, but I would venture to, to guess that if there is something that you care about that you don't know about that is not clicking for you, you probably it hasn't been taught to you or you haven't been exposed to it in the way that you learn. You know, if you really look at the way people learn, some people learn kinesthetically, some people are visual, some are auditory, some are. There are a lot of different ways to learn. And when it comes to something that may not be sort of you know, there are a lot of people who grew up with their parents talking about history and, you know, you, the Ukraine and the Russian background and, you know, war. Like the people who grew up at tables where that was common conversation, it's a language they already speak. You're learning a new language if you want to learn about the history of the Ukraine to better understand this war. Therefore, you have to figure out how do you learn better? Like I've seen some like, Um, almost like cartoons explaining this, like especially on Instagram that really can help you understand because it's complex. It is complicated, but I think that you have to be careful about the way you you talk about yourself and to yourself. And and I think that that's kind of the the first thing. To answer your- I do it for protection. So then when I don't know something, I can say, oh, I'm just not very smart. I just didn't know that. Yeah, but Cut that out. Okay, it, okay, okay. And, and it's also, it's not, it's not what you want your daughter to hear. It's so, I'm changing so much about my life right now for my daughter yeah. because I feel that. And it's like, this is the most important is your mental brain and your mental headspace. And, and also what we role model for our kids. If you mm-hmm. role model you saying as a woman and as a strong and powerful woman, oh, I'm, I'm dumb. I don't know about that. Oh, I'm not smart. And like, 
That's what she's going to pick up. Instead, why don't you model for her? You know, I don't know about this, but I love to learn and I'm going to learn about it. And I'm going to figure out the best way for me to learn. Right now, I'm, I'm reading a book about music business law. I'm doing the audio book and I'm doing the print book at the same time so I can hit on two learning levels because it's not something that's first nature to me. And I'm also taking a class so I can ask the professor questions about it so I can hit on another level. So it's figuring out how do you learn best? What, what do you need to learn? And doing your best to not let your anxiety get in the way, you know, I did terrible on my SATs, like awful. Like I barely got my name right because I was so anxious about taking the test. And you know what? I'm a very smart woman, but that was just not, I do not know how to take those tests and my anxiety got the best of me. It's the same thing for you. You're just letting your anxiety get the best of you. It took me years to learn how to take a test so that I could pass my licensing exam. And I would really help, I, I would recommend Focus on the process of learning as opposed to the outcome. You don't have to have all the answers. You'll never have all the answers about the Ukraine. Nobody will, even the greatest scholars. But what you can do is be open to learning a different way and taking in new knowledge. Now, regarding what you asked about kind of the bigger question of like our time here and all that sort of stuff and, and therapy and introspection, I would say two things. One is... We want to look at what is the legacy that we want to leave behind. Ooh, ooh, that's good. You know, and I think that the last two years between COVID and now the Ukraine, I think that one thing we really know is that life is short. Our time here is finite. And that we really have to look at what do we want to leave behind? What is our legacy? What, is, what do we want people to say about us when we're no longer here? And, you know, I hope that people will say, wow, she really made a difference. Wow, she helped me get into therapy. She helped me be introspective. She helped me to, to face my pain, to deal with myself. She made my relationship better. She made me better as a parent. Those are the things that, that I hope. I believe that my reason for being here in this world is to help people to learn and have those experiences of bettering themselves and reducing their pain. And I think you have to kind of really sit and think, about what is a legacy that you want to live. And I think we all need to do that. What is your reason for getting up in the morning? And I think that we're very quick to say, to be a mom, to be a wife, to be a daughter, to be all these things, especially as women, where we define ourselves by other people. And don't get me wrong, those are beautiful things. Those are important things. I'm a mother of, of twin girls, of teenagers. It is one of the most emotionally fulfilling relationships and experiences. I, I have a incredible partner of many years, incredible experience. I'm a daughter. All those things are important parts of who I am. But when I really look at who I am, I have to define myself, for me at least, separately from that. Of what is my imprint on the world outside of those relationships? What do I want that to be? And, and I think that that's important. We have to be able to define ourselves and what matters to us independently. Um, and then last but not least, regarding therapy, yes, we are very fortunate that we are in a country that right now we are not, there are not missiles being dropped on us, and we are incredibly fortunate. And what most people don't realize is that 
in order to become a therapist, every therapist has to do 3,000 hours under supervision, which means they don't get paid for those hours. They do them in mental health clinics. I did it. Everyone who has a license has to do it. So there are mental health clinics all around this country that will see people based on their ability to pay. And not only do you get an intern, but that intern is supervised by someone with at least two years of experience. So therapy is available to everyone. Yeah, sometimes there's a waiting list. Most of the time, unfortunately, there's a waiting list, but it is accessible to more people than realize in this country. And we're very fortunate for that. And truly... It feels like, oh, you have the luxury of time to be working on yourself to have therapy. But really, the more of us that spend that time working on ourselves in therapy and getting rid of these lies that we've told ourselves, the voices in our head, do you think it's essential for us to fully become realized as a human, to work through all of our past and understand that, to untangle all of that? to realize why we had these stories and like understanding those stories then frees you of that chain that you're carrying. And I feel like that is the gift of therapy is yes, it's exhausting. And yes, you have to revisit stuff that sucks. And yes, you have to own up to truths about yourself that you would rather ignore and about your life and family and friends and everyone close to you and everything you're, you know, the circumstances you're born into and that you've chosen but it's like, I feel like you, ha- you really have to look at all that hard in the face to truly become the fully realized person. Do you feel that? Yes, 100%. I, I, and look, I recommend that everybody have one year of weekly therapy, whether you've had trauma in your history or not. I think it's important for self-reflection. I think it's important to learn new tools. I think it's important to have someone who doesn't have any skin in the game. A lot of people are like, well, I have great friends. I've got a great family. That is different because as much as all those people love you, they've got their own agenda. And, you know, oh, you know what? It really sucks for me if you make really good boundaries because then you're not going to babysit my kids for free when I go out with my husband. Or, you know what? Like, I really love you staying in this job because I get to have lunch with you every, every Monday through Friday. Like, everyone's got their own agenda. And I don't mean that in a nefarious way. And a lot of the time it's unconscious. And what people don't realize is that part of the job of a therapist is to be neutral and really help you figure out. What's in your best interest? Where are you lacking the tools? Where can you be a better communicator? Where can you be better in your relationships, parent better, be a a partner better, all that sort of stuff? Where are you sabotaging yourself? And so I, I, I do think that therapy is really important. I don't think that we can self actualize, I don't think that we can be our best selves without that tool, without that opportunity to self-reflect. And I also think that it's really good for couples, even if you're not in trouble, to spend at least six months doing weekly couples therapy again. So you can have someone who is a neutral person on the outside saying like, hey, you know what? Here's something you could do better. Hey, here's a tool that you can use in your relationship. Like, hey, when this conflict comes up, here's a new way to deal with it. And that's magical. That's life-changing for you and for your relationship. 
It totally is. And I was thinking when you said I need to change my self-talk, that has been something I've been working on for years because I used to have terrible self-talk, just terrible. And, yeah. and I had eating disorders when I was younger. I know you did as well. Um, I struggled with like bulimia and feeling yeah. like I needed to be perfect and all that. And then I got into therapy and got to the root of it and really made vast improvements with it. And so I just, I feel I'm, I'm, I totally, everything you're saying is just resonating so much. And I'm telling myself now when I'm having self-talk because I'm realizing that I have, I, when I get intimidated and I don't know something, I can, my default is, oh, I just, I just must not be very smart. But now I'm going to say, you know what? I want to learn. That's something I want to learn. I'm going to create a list for myself when a trigger happens and I feel like I don't know and it's something that makes me feel insecure or vulnerable or it makes me want to default into saying, I don't, I just, I, I just, I just know I'm kind of flighty. I don't know. My brain doesn't handle all that. I'm going to say, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to say, you know what? That's something I want to learn. And I'm actually the next Love. step that you have to do, I'm going to follow through with it and I'm going to research it and study it and learn it at least so That's I can understand wonderful. it. I love that. that. That makes me so happy. Like, and that, that is going to have such a great trickle down effect to your daughter. Yes. That, that is, that is wonderful. And, you know, I'm going to give you one other tip when it comes to self-talk that, you know, I've studied sports psychology and as well as, you know, a lot of like regular therapy. What we know is that the magic ratio when, when doing sports psychology, the magic ratio is five to one. For every negative piece of information a coach gives an athlete, they need to give them five positive in order for the athlete to take in the one correction. Oh, wow. That is big time. Yeah. And we also know with couples, the same ratio, there's a man named John Gottman who studies couples. And what he has found, and he can predict divorce with like 97% accuracy. Really? Found, yes. What he has found is that what matters is not how often or if a couple fights or not, but the ratio of positive to negative. And again, it's a five to one ratio is the magic number. One negative, every five positive. So here's the thing. For every time that you say something negative in your head, first of all, write it down on a piece of paper. Divide the paper in half. And on the left side, write the negative self-talk. On the right side, write five responses back to that one negative self-talk. Mm. and start what you have to do now is retrain your brain. So every time that comes up, and here's the thing, because people say, well, I don't believe it. Like, you know what? You don't even have to believe it. Just, Just do it. it. <laughs> Just do it. Because you're retraining your brain. And I get it. As someone who I was an elite level athlete, I got a lot of negative feedback from my coach. I, in, I internalized a lot of negative self-talk. It, negative self-talk ran my life in my teens and 20s and now it's interesting though because like I feel like you didn't get that from your parents if anything you got like go be yourself and have just and then the the intense sports is what gave you the negative self-talk yeah yeah I had a very very hardcore eastern European coach who had a very tough philosophy. It involved a lot of name calling. It involved a lot of like tear down their spirits and then build them back up the way you want them to be kind of philosophy. Wow. Yeah. So this was someone who I spent between four and eight hours a day training under. So I probably didn't have anyone to talk to about this because you're just going to do this sport. It's not like 
you're in a safe place. Your family knows you're safe. You're doing it because you want to excel. So it's just, that's just the way it is. You just accept it. And, and, and also this person is the best coach in the country. So to go any, any place else would have been a step down. And my other teammates were experiencing it as well. But what happened was yeah. I internalized an enormous amount of negative self-talk. And I had to, through my own therapy, through my own kind of usage of this tool that I just gave you, had to reprogram my brain. And you have to be just constant with it. Like you need to kind of exhaust yourself talking back because when we don't talk back to that negative voice, it's like a monster and it's like we fed it and it Mm. just gets bigger and bigger and Mm. bigger. When we start to talk back to it, we, we starve it and we make it go away. And, you know, here's a really simple example. Um, I'm a runner. And when I first started running, my whole thing was, I'm not a runner. I suck at running. I'm terrible. I have awful endurance, but I'm going to run anyway. And what I decided at some point, like it clicked for me, and I actually have an Instagram post about it from a few years back. That all of a sudden it dawned on me, why am I not practicing what I preach with my clients when it comes to running? I do it in other areas of my life. Like, why am I getting on the treadmill and saying all these terrible things to myself? And I changed my self-talk. And I started to, when I run, I have a mantra. And I say, I'm strong, I'm light, I can do it. I'm strong, I'm light, I can do it. And what happened is that over the years, I kept running and now I can run, but I started out struggling. I could barely do 20 minutes on a 5.0. And now I can run for an hour at a 6.0. And if I don't think about it, that mantra automatically is playing in my head like a, like background noise. Wow. Because I've trained my brain to work differently. So if I can do it, you can do it and your listeners can do it. And, and it's such an important part of finding your power as a woman, mm. as a mom, as, as a, a professional, as a human being. Like it's such an important part of our, our power. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Man, I know you have to leave soon, so I just have a couple quick questions because literally I just want to like follow you around like a shadow because you are so freaking amazing, Dr. Jen. I mean, truly. Okay, you have so much marriage advice, so much children advice. Everyone needs to go read your books because they're life-giving. And honestly, watch your shows. Watch Couples Therapy. What would you say after being the therapist for all these dysfunctional celebrity couples. I mean, that's probably as dysfunctional as you can get out there and anything you can dream of, you've seen it and dealt with it. And then with children, you have such a, a, a great insight into parenting. What would be just as a get started guide, what would be your top three pieces of advice for parenting and for improving your marriage? I'll start with the the marriage. I would say the number one, I don't even need to give three. I'm going to give one. Okay. If you you want more, then definitely check out my book, The Relationship Fix, Dr. Jen's Six-Step Guide to Improving Communication, Connection, and Intimacy. But really the number one thing is to nurture the connection between the two of you. And then what most people don't realize is that when, in according to studies, 90 3% of the time for men and 92% of the time for women, the number one reason why people have an affair is not because of the sex. It's because of a lack of emotional connection or a combination of a lack of emotional and sexual connection in their marriage. So creating that foundation of connection is of the utmost importance. The more we invest in our relationship, the less likely we are to fuck it up and to take risks that we shouldn't take. And it's really important to spend that time. And when people say like, well, I don't know how to do that. Put down your phone, turn off the TV, spend 20 to 30 minutes of face-to-face time with your partner. That is the best antidote and the best preventative medicine when it comes to either one of you straying or having huge problems in the marriage. 
And when it comes really fast, quick question. As a marriage, it and hopefully a marriage or a relationship will last a long time and you know you can keep this healthy. How do you evolve with your partner? Because say your partner is changing, which I know has already happened in my marriage several times. My husband and I have both we are completely different people multiple times over. We've been able to change with each other and grow with each other, but how do you make sure you are growing together? I think that you have to accept that you're not always going to grow together. That sometimes there are phases where maybe one of you is on more of a spiritual journey and another one of you is, is on an entrepreneurial journey or and where is the connection. Journey. Well, but where the connection is showing interest in each other's journey. Yes, 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 yes. That not blowing it up, but if, if your spouse is on a spiritual journey that's not your jam, but you love this person then you want to get in their head. What is it about this that connects for you? What is it that inspires you? What are you learning? How is this making you better? Tell me, tell me the most, the three most profound things that have, that you learned today that, that really excites you because Mm. you may not be on the same journey, but if you pick this person and this person is interested in this thing, there's probably something about it that you can connect with, even if you're not going to embrace it in the same way. I love that. One of the things that we know is that there are studies that have found that one of the things that really, really benefits couples is learning from each other. Mm. And in the early stages of a relationship, it's something that really sucks us in. And I, I talk about it in my book, The Relationship Fix, that when we first meet someone, we learn about everything from like their favorite restaurant to things that they know about that we don't know about when they're talking about, you know, Russian history, like all of a sudden it's fascinating and we learn and we develop and we feel really good about ourselves. We need to continue that throughout the course of our relationships and our marriage that when they're into something that we're not into, instead of looking at it, Oh, how boring. That's annoying. Instead of, wow, what can I learn? Oh, I love that. I love that. So, And then regarding parenting, the number one thing is, and the earlier you start this, the better off your relationship with your kids will be, is that that most parents think about their kids giving them respect. The most important thing is that as a parent, you give your child respect Mm. because kids are respectful when they feel respected Mm. and that that needs to be a mutual experience. And when you're able to do that, and and with my daughters, I started early. I started literally before they could speak. I would not change their diaper without saying, now I'm going to take your diaper off. Now I'm going to wipe you with the wipe. It may be kind of cold. Uh, probably it's not going to feel good. I let them know because look, I went to the gynecologist and all of a sudden they were doing things to me without telling me what was about to happen. I would be Scared. Shaken. Yeah. I I, like it would freak me out. Even though you trust this person, you're still freaked out because you don't know. Exactly. And and in my book, Super Baby 12 Ways to Give Your Child a Head Start in the First Three Years, I talk a lot about how to speak with your child respectfully starting really early on. Mm. And and just things like power struggles. Like you don't need to say, don't ever ask, do you want the carrots? Fuck no. They don't (laughs) want the carrots. And especially if they're a toddler, the answer is always no. Do you want the peas or the carrots? Two acceptable possibilities that they get to pick. Give your child power and autonomy wherever you can. Mm. You know, I, I'm amazed that I now have two 15-year-olds, two teenagers in my house who love to spend time with me, and I love to spend time with them. 
And, and a big part of that is because we have a mutual respect of each other. That is brilliant and beautiful. And Dr. Jen, I know everyone who meets you becomes wildly obsessed with you and just wants to be like your fawn. I literally am just dying that this interview is over because I hope I get to see you again someday in this world. You are so amazing. You are so incredible. I am so honored to have this conversation. Thank you so much. You have given me personally several tools from changing my self-talk. And now I will be aware when I say, oh, I'm just not very smart. Or if I feel stupid, I'm going to say, I would like to learn that. I'm going to, I'm going to take a note. I'm going to learn that. And I'm going to follow through with it. I also appreciate your marriage advice so much, staying interested in your spouse, whatever they're growing and evolving into, as well as with your children, mutual respect. That is absolutely profound. I always wrap up with leave your light. And basically it is, what do you want people to know? Leave your light. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for this interview. You are such an insightful, emotionally intelligent, quick, amazing woman. And I'm, I'm really excited for you and kind of this new way of thinking. Like, that's really exciting for me. Um, so what is my light? Is it, was that the question? Leave your light. It's very open-ended. What do you want people to know? Just whatever comes to mind. What do I want people to know? I mean, look, just that we can all grow and evolve and we can all be introspective and don't let fear stand in your way. I think a lot of the time, especially when we've been through pain, when we've been through trauma, that sometimes people are so scared to unearth that, that they feel that they will die. Yeah. Yeah. That if I, if I do that, I'll never stop crying. I won't be functional. I won't be able to handle it. It, The pain will never end. And I'm here to tell you that I haven't met anyone in almost 30 years of being a therapist that the pain has killed them, that while doing therapy, that they haven't been able to move past it, even if they hit a difficult period that if you, especially if you have a, a good support system, and that, it doesn't even have to be a great support system, but a good support system that you you can conquer whatever your demons are, and it's it's worth doing because what exists on the other side of that pain is so magnificent and so monumental, and that what you learn when you get through pain is that you can do anything. When I look back on my life, the things that were the most painful things, the most difficult things are the things that make me stronger and make me a warrior. And like, that's what makes me know I can kick ass and that it's worth conquering that and get the support you need, but deal with it. Last question. Do you take online patients? Can I become a virtual client? I take people who've been referred to me by someone else, but we could talk about it. Okay, 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 okay. I'm happy to talk to you about it. Really, I'm just trying to stay in your life, Dr. Jen. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. It is truly an honor and a privilege, and I just appreciate everything you're giving to this world. I am a recipient of it that is greatly benefiting. So, And also, I don't want to forget the other point that's so life-changing is every time you have one negative self-talk, come at it with five positive ones. And Beat that shit down. A hundred percent. Awesome. You're the best. Thank you so much. Oh, it's so my pleasure. Stay in touch. Okay. Bye, Dr. Jen. Bye. A new season of Bridgerton is here. 
And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.